Welcome to Mona Moments, a podcast hosted by the Museum of Northwest Art located in Laconer, Washington. In this episode of Mona Moments, you will hear a conversation between artist Blair Goldstein and University of Washington museology graduate Hannah Corneliuson, who worked collaboratively with their project partner Danielle New on their current Outside In Gallery exhibition titled Standing Still. This show features an artwork of Blair Goldstein as well as 10 other local artists and was curated by Hannah Corneliuson and Danielle New. We hope you enjoyed this Mona moment. Thank you for listening. So um, if you'd like to get started, um, our first question is, um, we'd love to know a little bit more about your piece. So like, what are the main themes and how did these themes develop? I'm sitting looking at it right now, like across the room. And, you know, there's so these like paper chains they're so like malleable for me and like like one day I'm making one and it's like the happiest most cheerful bright fun thing ever and I'm like loving twirling it around and then the next um you know it can totally change mood there are so many elements to them the color the size the shape the length the um patterning like that can affect like how they feel while I'm making them and how they feel when they're done and I'm looking at them but for me when I'm like this one I'm looking at now that's the one that's going to be in the show um I, I don't know how to articulate this right like I do all sorts of stuff I paint I weave I um I, I guess that those are the main two, but making these chains is such a, like, it, it really is. Everybody always says it's all about the process, but like for, for me, the chains really are like the most process oriented thing that I make and do. They're definitely very therapeutic to make, like tearing up paper. Um, my friend our dear friend Caroline informed me is like a sign of like angst or something which I thought was really funny learning that because like they kind of do like I don't know like if I'm in a mood or something and I start ripping them up like it just it's calming it's cleansing um and then like the process of sewing them together just like being still sitting on the couch having my beverage of choice it's just they're they're calming but also like a lot of other things at once I don't know how to yeah can you tell that I don't talk about my art that much oh that's wonderful oh my gosh so in relation to our exhibit um, it has a dual theme, one of standing still and feeling frozen in time, and the second of resiliency emerging from struggle, still standing. So what are your reflections on this theme as it relates to your work and the process? Mm. Sorry, big question. <laughs> I think when I wrote about this piece for the submission, I talked a lot about the motion of the chains like when they are finished which again is like I sort of like am 
more entranced by them when I'm like in the process of making them. And then when they're done, like I'm a little more removed from them, I guess, but okay, Blair, this is a hard question. When I am like in my element making something, I'm pretty much always by myself. Um, which was obviously something that was happening a lot more than I would have liked or most people would have liked about a year ago. And to have something to do, something for my hands to do, um, something for my mind to do besides like sulk um, was so important. And again, like, I think I've started feeling more and more like an artist, like who I am, I guess, um, because of it. But, but then it was funny because like, I usually think of being alone or being by myself as such a negative thing. Like I don't want to be without connection, without friends and laughter and I don't know all that. So using making and being creative as a way to, I don't know if distract is the right word, but as a way to sort of find comfort in being by myself um, was really, I don't know, through the pandemic was really eye-opening, I guess, or just like liberating almost like, yeah, I can do things by myself. I don't need um, a man or my <laughs> friends even. Um, like Zoom is cool, but I had my paper chains and like, I gotta, it, it's also like making them, painting them um, is like a very active, fast, like sometimes violent almost process of like covering them completely, which was so like ob obviously felt like very cathartic and fun. And then it really slows down with um, like the arranging, picking the colors um, and sewing them. And that like those themes of like the active and then the calmer, like slowing down definitely like it resonates with like the tumultuous emotions of pandemic life. Does that answer your question? A yeah. Bit? yeah, totally. So you talk about like how this process was so comforting and healing for you during this time. Um, how do you hope that this will impact your viewers? Like what kind of ideas and emotions and conversations do you hope that this will um, kind of provoke? Mm. I love hearing what people have to say. They always surprise me or like show me or I, I look at something that came from me in a way that I never would have. You know, what do I hope? I just like almost feel like I hope that they, like I can't pick a specific thing or a topic that I'm hoping for people to like respond to because what 
I love so much is like the rawness, I guess, or like people's genuine, like sometimes silly reactions. Um, one time there was this mom who had a little baby um, with some chains that I had um, in the show and the baby was like doing that cute baby head tilt thing and like pinching them and like that was just the ultimate gratification I just I don't know I hope that they hard question again I hope I hope that they can I don't know like it sounds simple but just like and also I don't mean this to sound like aren't they beautiful I make beautiful things but like just appreciating the the beauty the stillness of I, I talked about how they'll like spin and twirl and just like it really is a for me at least just something to like look at and my mind can focus on that and not necessarily be like da -da 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 -da. um yeah a little stillness maybe I hope to inspire I love that I personally need that with everything that's going on so <laughs> this is like the challenge of our generation totally so we've been talking a lot about your work but um can you tell us a little bit about your past year yeah um it was crazy last week I think March 13th um was the last day that I did my job in person um and you know now I'm unemployed and I I don't say that I'm homeless like I could go back to my dad's place I have so many good friends I could go be with you know but I don't currently have like my own mailing address either um which is obviously a huge change you know a year ago I was um an AmeriCorps volunteer working as a teacher in an after-school program in Boston. The program, which ran from like 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. for kids in South Boston um, from all different schools, was based in an old convent. So I was living and working there. The bottom two floors were like the school and the top two floors were housing for the teachers. Um, and there were, gosh, that was my first year of it so there were three teachers and then the program director my boss who was a year older than me also lived there is like very fun youthy like really cool first job out of college um very like chill and low-key but also like we were doing meaningful work and it was it was fulfilling to like be helping these seventh graders get through their math homework even though like I, I don't know it, it it was like eye-opening because I didn't realize I wanted to be a teacher work with kids um and I I do so I was having a great time doing that occasional distress because you know one of them would like bully me or something and I would cry but then I love my job and the building itself the convent there was a full chapel, stained glass windows, crystal doorknobs was built in the 1920s. It was so cool, but also slightly decrepit. And um, 
my bosses were cool with um like giving me the artistic freedom to do whatever improvements I wanted which was so cool and I don't know that I'll ever find another opportunity like that to like be painting murals in a space for children so cool um and on the last day the last Friday it was a the program was called paraclete and paraclete Fridays were way chiller than the rest of the days it was sort of a free-for-all and there were always less students um and I remember that Friday morning it was like the Friday before like they called school um so like we knew America knew by then but like still hadn't taken action Mm. and I remember the kids coming in a few of them and that morning I had gone down to the kitchen to make breakfast and I was just staring at this ugly bit of wall that I like it was like you could see it through a doorway from like very far away it was an important wall that wasn't very well kept and I wanted to paint something on it and so I started drawing these like tomatoes they were tomatoes on the wall and then I like picked the walked and picked the girls up from school and walked back to Paraclete like we always did and I asked them do you guys want to paint on the wall today because I kind of knew in the back of my head like you're not going to be here on Monday but I also like you know at the beginning everyone was like two weeks three weeks remember that phase yeah. of like yeah so you know obviously I didn't think I was never gonna see them again which ended up being the case um which is really is really hard still um I sent them all postcards but they probably thought it was lame um but so that last day I just remember sitting painting tomatoes on the walls with the girls and we um the, the kids were not allowed past the second floor super off limits I remember one time this boy trying to get a rise out of us like put his foot on like the step up to the third floor and you're like all right (laughs) but we um that day we took the girls up to our like little fifth floor penthouse type little hangout room that I'd painted a mural in my first mural ever Um, And it has like a view of the city and they were so excited. They got to go up past the second floor. Um, And it was just a really like happy, innocent, fun day. I used to have days like that all the time. And I really took them for granted. Um, Because then, yeah, things went virtual. And for about six six months seven months I was doing online tutoring and homework help and teaching online test prep classes um and it was like pretty soul-sucking um and like I, I obviously love the kids that I was working with but you know the level of removal on zoom and then also just seeing like what it it wasn't this way with all of the students um like some actually were thriving in the online school situation but a lot of them were not and it was really 
pretty heartbreaking to like not be able to do more um because you know the kids who are coming to paraclete are coming to paraclete because their parents are working after school their parents like don't have the resources to be able to help them through their assignments and stuff um and then you know like when everything went online that just like got 10 times more important for like I don't know the home space if that's where kids are doing their work to like be I don't know a supportive academic environment um yeah so I definitely like it, it was hard to watch um some of my students like sort of falter um and not want to learn anymore or as much as they had before um and not be able to do like because it wasn't just homework we would do we would do after academic classes there was enrichment class time I taught a crafts class and I taught um self-care with Miss Blair we'd do like face masks and I'd make them write like love letters to themselves and stuff um and you know we weren't doing any of that anymore we weren't cooking dinner and eating together um there was like a big um strain on the community aspect of what we did um and you know I was very uncertain obviously like when my first year was ending was July I was like I guess I'll just stay here I didn't want to move I didn't you know like it would be hard to get a job in a real school or like apply to grad school miss the deadline so I signed on for a second year and then we ran out of money. Um, it was a little more complicated than that. We wanted to open up as like a um, like a site for virtual learning so parents could send their kids to us from nine to three or whatever the school day was. And we would basically like supervise their online learning, which also didn't sound like super fun but at least we'd be in person with the kids um and we were having all these meetings about all the precautions we were going to take all the like what are we how are we going to handle water what about bathrooms all this stuff getting down to the nitty-gritty and then we found out that we <laughs> didn't have a license to be operating <laughs> so like I don't, I'd always sort of wondered because we served dinner to the kids every night and there was no like paperwork up on the walls, like, you know, how kitchens that serve food to people are supposed to have. Um, so that had crossed my mind, but like, I didn't realize we like had never had a building inspection, anything like that. I don't know how we got away with it or Paraclete got away with it maybe because it was like a historical building. I don't know, but like there was bad ventilation, there was no fire escape, there was all, all these like building issues, probably a lot of lead paint. Definitely a fun place to have my first job, but like, um, you know, the city and the state had all these guidelines for places that were trying to do what we were trying to do. And we realized, oh yeah, there's no way we're gonna pass any like building inspection the executive director who was this great old Bostonian man, he called me Blea 
Um, (laughs) He was like, I have every confidence that we would be fine. Like the staff is fine. Our safety protocols are fine. Um, Like our, it's just the building. And we didn't have enough money to do the renovations that would have been necessary. So um, in October, I found out, um, you know, you have like seven weeks to figure out what you're, where you're going to go. And I was sort of very torn. Um, I'm from Nebraska, grew up in Nebraska. Um, So like going back home is always an option didn't seem like the best option and then I had the idea um one of my best friends that I grew up with in Omaha at the very beginning of the pandemic I think she left for Oregon like a week before lockdown actually um but she got stuck out there and then she ended up buying a van and doing van life um and I was like stuck in Boston tutoring kids online all day like seriously Wednesdays were like six sessions in a row and one of them was two hours so it was seven hours of zooming straight you know like everyone's doing this so it's not just like poor me but it's not that's no way to spend your day um horrible and I was like so jealous of her she was seeing all this beautiful stuff and like was by herself in this van like she wasn't violating or didn't seem to be violating any of the like safety measures for social distancing and stuff so I was just like man I want to do that and then it was like the world also wanted me to do it um so yeah I decided in October while I was still living in the convent, I will consolidate all of my crap, put some of it in my car, get a bed in there somehow, and I will go see the sites. Um, and yeah, now I, I have a car bed. I am still working on the organization of everything. Everything is still a little bit everywhere, but um, I've had a lot of help from family who I stopped and stayed with in South Carolina. And I've just seen, I've been to places that, you know, I never would have gone to. And I've driven thousands of miles by myself, which feels really badass. Um, Just like never something I thought I would do. And definitely not something that ever would have happened if not for the pandemic. So in a way, I, I mean, I've also been, really 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 fortunate not to have had any loved ones like everybody who has had it um thankfully recovered so maybe it's a little selfish to say like I've had a great pandemic but that's not true but it definitely scooped me up and then spat me back out um somewhere where I'm happier if that makes sense totally yeah, it sounds like you pivoted a lot. You know, you made the the best out of a, you know, a harder situation. Um, did you learn anything about yourself this past year, like as an individual or on a, like an artistic level? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I need to make art. Um, I was messing around for like during college. I was an art major. I was also a psychology major. And like in hindsight, 
sort of wished that I'd had the guts to just be an art major um, and maybe dedicated a little bit more time to the studio. And then like my first summer out, I was really lucky. I had a studio space and then I, I, I went like once a week, like not enough um, for what an incredible space I had for, for free for that summer. Um, you know, it was just like not taking my practice very seriously. I think I was still in the phase of like not really wanting to be an artist fully, not sure about what I was going to do at all. Um, and then the pandemic hits and I can't work with the kids anymore. I'm doing online stuff. And I remember it being like such a point of contention, but like for AmeriCorps, you have to do 1,700 hours of service to get your the incentive for doing AmeriCorps, the award. The, the incentive is the work itself. But you get an education award. You get like $6,000 put towards tuition or supplies for school or whatever. Um, but to get that, you have to get your 1,700 hours. And the pandemic hit, and they didn't adjust that requirement at all even though a lot of volunteers workplaces were like drastically shifted I remember that being like we were so pissed um that they didn't cut us any slack and so we had to you know find ways to make up like we still need to be getting eight nine hours a day um I'm not gonna be on zoom for eight nine hours a day so I started thinking about the building more like you know we didn't know that kids were never going to set foot in it again um so I was just like thinking about the kids thinking about how we could improve the space with the resources that we did have even though they weren't a lot but like I really got into my design brain which like it, it was it was a blessing because I really hadn't been using it as much as I would have liked and it sort of like set me on the right path, I think. I started painting more like in my own studio, which was in the convent. It was great. I had the whole wall. It was awesome. So I'd zoom and do math with the bell, and then I'd go uh, paint in the kitchen, and then I'd zoom with Nadia and do English, and then go walk around, pace. Literally, I would do so much pacing and thinking like, oh, this could be purple. Um, it, it was great. It was, it, it just like woke me up a little bit, gave me a lot of projects. I love projects. I love starting projects. <laughs> Not that great at finishing them. That's such a great answer. Um, I can tell you're such a reflective and perceptive person just by listening to you. Is there something that you hope everybody can take away from this past year's events or from a situation similar to yours? It's hard because there are so many things that had to align for me to be able to do what I'm doing. And I know that all of these circumstances aligning is like probably not the case for a lot of people who have had to like suck it up yeah you lost your job what are you gonna do you still have to pay your rent you still have to, you can't go move in with your parents you can't rely on government money so 
I, I don't know. I want to be cautious, I guess, with my answer and like sensitive to that. But I think the biggest takeaway that I had so far, I guess, is like you just gotta do it. You just gotta if you, if you if you're like stuck in a situation and just thinking about how much you want to do something else like you just have to and again like circumstances but like if it's something that you really 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 want and something that you're meant to do also on more of like a divine level I don't know then it'll happen you'll make it happen you gotta just trust the process I guess it's terrifying I was terrified I didn't like I thought I was gonna go move in with our friends Caroline and Rowan and that would be that and I would door dash but I, I really wanted to not so it I like I don't know you just gotta jump and keep six feet apart <laughs> Yeah. Or I heard it's three feet now. Like this got changed. I don't know. Right. Well, um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we end on our last question here? How can folks access your work? Wow. This is something that I really need to get on. I do not have a website. I don't know that I have enough like quality imagery of my work anyways to have a website. Right now it's Instagram is like how to access, but also Instagram sucks. So <laughs> I, I really need to make a website. I just got business cards. They say Blair Goldstein, visual artist. It feels very real. <laughs> right now, yeah, it's Instagram at E underscore more underscore color, all lowercase. I begrudgingly say Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this Mona moment. Standing Still will be on view in Mona's outside-in gallery from July 3rd to October 10th, 2021.